Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and all those turkeys who managed to escape the axe last week. Live from beautiful East Lansing, where it was sunny this morning but cloudy now, it's Tea with BBP. Hello everyone out there, I'm your host, BBP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten, the diva of SLA. With me and my co-host, rocking out to my left here, is Walter Hopkins. You just really like that intro music, don't you, Walter? I love it. You do. You're like he's like. You guys should see him. He's like bopping around. Just not the Walter. I didn't know volleyballs could do that. Like, <laughs> my gosh. You're a funny guy, Bill. You got some funny guy. Angelica, <laughs> Angelica Kramer's here. Angelica, say hi to everybody. Herzlich willkommen an diesem wunderschönen Bundeschönen. Yes. Are you making fun of my what? No. Did I do well? No. 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 Say it again. Let me try. Herzlich willkommen an diesem wunderschönen Donnerstag. I know my ears just heard that through my headphones. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah. I think everybody's little decibel meters on Mixler just went up on that one. <laughs> well, two weeks ago, I can't believe two weeks ago we were at Actful. My God, that was so awesome. Did you guys have fun at Actful? Oh, it was fantastic. My God. You, I was pretty miserable, but, well, you know. Oh, that's right, because you yeah. sounded like Laura McCall the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imitate that? What was your voice like then again? Hello, everybody. Yeah, something like that. Well, well actually, that sounds that. like Elvis now. <laughs> you did. No, Barry White. You just sounded like Elvis. Uh, Barry White. He was White. not Barry. He sounded like Lauren Bacall, not Barry White. Barry White had that sexy bass voice. Hmm. He had that Lauren Bacall come and whistle. I was, what did she say? Put your lips together and whistle. What was that famous line of hers? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I wasn't around when that movie was made, but still. Yeah, we were at Actful. For those of you in the audience who weren't there, um, we had a huge crowd. Remember, we had Thanks a huge... Thanks for coming out, everybody. That My was awesome. My God, they just did... Man, Donald Trump would have been jealous. Our crowd was so <laughs> huge. We were like... We had... We had 10,000 people. No, I'm just kidding. But we had like a good 100 people there. All the other people in the exhibits were like just jealous of us. They were like, what's <laughs> going on over there by social media? Why, are they buying some other book or something? I'm like, no, they're just here to see us. Well, we're pretty cool. Uh, well, we also have to it. give a big thanks to you know who. Oh, absolutely. Steve Krashen was awesome. He was like, what a great guy. Did, that was your first time meeting him, right? It was my first time, yes. Your, your yep, first time absolutely. too? Absolutely. Isn't yep. he a good guy? Yep. Yeah. I've known him I for a long time. I enjoyed him, yeah. Yep. Had a good time with him. He, he, nice he makes man. me feel old, though, because we go back so long, you know, and I've just known him ever since I got started. It's like, hmm. oh, my God. And he's retired now, so it's like I'm like <laughs> right behind him. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. No retirement happening here. Well, I hope everybody out there had a good Thanksgiving. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah. Who did you stuff a bird? I did not. I was not involved. Just in stuffed the your face. You didn't stuff That's a right. bird. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Did you <laughs> stuff a bird? <laughs> no, no, I made bread. Ah, you made bread. Mm -hmm. Did you go to somebody's house, or what'd you do? Yeah. Oh. Wow. I yeah. ate stuffed turkey, but I yeah, I don't do turkey that much on Thanksgiving yeah. anymore. I did my little Mexican. Thanksgiving. I made Cornish game hens. That's not Mexican, I know, but I did two different kinds of mole. <laughs> <laughs> I did two different kinds of mole, and I did black beans, and I did charred Brussels sprouts. I did my, I did my thing. It was good. Me and my dog had a good time. I nice. made some green bean casserole. It was yummy. That, did you yeah. do that stuff where you pour the soup over it? Yeah. God, that is so Anglo. You are so Anglo-Saxon, yeah, it's, it's North American. That, no, it's but actually, you're half Italian. It's something that my wife's family traditionally has had for Thanksgiving. They lived so. in Brazil all those years. What the hell are they doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> they like it, I guess. So, so uh, yeah, it was good, though. Okay. I do like it. Yeah, yeah I guess. Well, at least you got your greens. That's mm -hmm. all I can say. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a hot, hot topic this week. You guys know what the topic is? Remember what the topic is? What's the topic this week? There is no such thing as errors. Exactly. There's no such ridiculous. thing as errors. Now, just what the heck do we mean by that? You're going to have to listen to the show and call in to find out. If you want to get in the conversation, how do they get in the conversation, Walter? They have to call us at? 1-800-876-5353. No, no, no. Don't, no, that's don't unsolved mysteries. mysteries. They have to call us at what? 517-884-4321. Uh, Again, Walter. Let me repeat what Walter just said. That's 517 Eight eight four four three two one. Our able-bodied muscle man Dustin is on the phone lines, waiting for you to call. Um, you can tweet, but you know we don't want to get overwhelmed. Everybody likes to tweet these days. Y'all got to get off that tweet stuff, man. That's just, man. I see everybody walking down the street tweeting and twixting and 
sexting, and I don't know what the hell they're doing on their phones, but they got to stop that. Well, I hope they're not doing Pick up the that. phone and call us, all right? You can email us if you want at t- uh, tvp, tvpp at gmail.com. Walter, put that away, please. But we would prefer <laughs> your phone calls. But we want you to call us. We want you to call us. You can email us, but we want you to call us because nothing says I love tea with BBP than to hear your melodic voices on the air. So we want to hear your questions, right? We want to hear your comments. We want to hear your reactions and thoughts on this topic about there are no such things as errors. So grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, your martini, or in Walter's case, a brownie cookie dough blizzard from the Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Dairy you ever Queen go to Starbucks you. with Walter? You ever go to Starbucks yes, with Walter? Yes, and Walter <laughs> orders nothing, just so that you know, because, because Walter doesn't like Because every time we uh, the so. few times Walter's ordered from Starbucks, it's one of those, like, Frappuccino with cream sprinkles on top. I, I don't know. even like sprinkles. Come on. Come on. You're, just, you're, you're a Dairy Queen kind of kid and you know it. <laughs> anyway, Do you even so have gra- Dairy Queens in East Lansing? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I'm a comic. I could, I could do a million things with that joke and I won't. Okay. Um, so grab your favorite beverage. Sit back and relax with us. Reach out and touch us, please, like Diana Ross. Reach out and touch somebody. Remember that song from Diana Ross? Am I the only one who remembers that song? <laughs> Do you remember that Reach song? I do, actually. Yeah. Somebody's hand. That song. Okay. Remember, if you can't listen to us live, you can always catch us archived at teawithbvp.com. We make for great listening for your students. I keep telling you this, but I don't know how many of you are doing this. You need to do this. Assign it to your students to listen to. They can do a homework assignment. They can do a presentation. They can do a summary. Um, you can make them listen and then say, okay, here's my five questions I've come up with now that I've listened to the show, the more things I want to know. You can, do, you can do all kinds of things with our show with your students if you want to. Again, there's no end to how you can listen and use what we do. Remember, it's for you, um, so we want you to make use of us. And don't forget our SLA Challenge Quiz. Some lucky call-in person today will take a stab at our SLA Challenge Quiz and win a wonderful, a fabulous Tea with BVP prize. We have two different prizes that we will not tell you what they are, but whoever calls in will get a choice. We'll tell you what they are when you call in and take the, the, the quiz. But they're wonderful prizes. Aren't they wonderful prizes, you guys? I oh, think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. One of them, anyway. I, don't know. I know. You've been, you've <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you all that one of the prizes will have been used by the time you get it if you select it because Walter's been using it the whole last 20 minutes. But, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he says. Not for, not for its intended purpose, is. though. <laughs> and, you know, at ACTFL for the SLA quiz, the challenge quiz, we tried to give it a date with Walter as a prize. Remember that, Angelica? It didn't quite work. Oh, do I remember that. And Walter was ready to, mm-hmm, yeah, well. Mm-hmm. But you did. We but had you to have did, some, some words. But we did have to, we, you did have to give a, a kiss to Lizette. Remember that? I, I did not, actually. Lizette, uh, oh, Lizette kissed you. Lizette was a kind person, and uh, she, well. Walter, you're getting all embarrassed. Oh. Ah, gosh. She was, I liked Lizette. She was nice. She was very sweet. She didn't get all the answers right, but I let her kiss you anyway, so. Hey. Okay, moving on. Next time, I think we need to <laughs> offer yourself, Bill, instead oh, yeah, of, you there know, you go. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, hey, yeah. Uh, I'm free uh, for just about anything. Well, I'm not free, but I'm reasonable. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I have no social life, so contact Shaking me. I'll be happy to go on a date with anybody. Um, well, not just anybody, but, you know, I, I, will, I, will, I, will entertain, I will entertain your queries about a date. No dates with Walter this week, so if you want a date with me, then I can add that to the, hmm. the challenge with uh, the SLA challenge. Now, remember, we're trying to push it to 1,000 followers. We're almost there, almost there, almost there. You know, 1,000 followers in our, our newsletter. Um, so please uh, remember, as we said before, give the gift of tea with BBP to your colleagues and your friends. Um, have your students, whoever, sign up for our newsletter. And um, when we reach 1,000, we'll have a big celebration. Again, the website is teawithbbp.com. Teawithbbp.com. And once again, our topic for today is there are no such things as errors. So we're going to start to get into that topic right now. Um, Both language teaching and second language research have had what I think is a fascination or preoccupation with so-called, quote-unquote, then my little sheet here, I've got it in quote, those little quotes. So I'm going to do air quotes. Y'all can't see out there in the audience, but but I'm doing this here for Angelica and Walter, so-called errors. Ever since the contemporary era of language acquisition got started in, do you know when, Walter, the contemporary era of language? I know Angelica does. I'm not asking her. 70s. So I don't know what year. Right? Actually, late 60s. Late 60s. You're close. Okay. Close. No cigar, but okay. <laughs> Ever since that, yeah, because the contemporary era of language acquisition was founded in the late 1960s. But a preoccupation with errors existed prior to that with, with behaviorism. Do you all remember behaviorism? Yeah. Si, senor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I don't want to go into this too much because... 
you know, there are going to be some questions in the SLA challenge quiz. I don't want to give this away to whoever's going to take that quiz. But a major, a major, major issue under behaviorism applied to language teaching was to have learners avoid making errors at all costs. That was that was a big thing. If you were a teacher, you were not supposed to let learners make errors. Errors were bad, right? Bad, bad errors. Errors no good. Mm -hmm. But then things shifted with the research on SLA that began in the Bill, early I'm 1970s. I'm sorry, I need to interrupt. Errors are no good, not errors no good. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Was that an error? <laughs> what? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> read between the lines. Read between the lines. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but things shifted. Things shifted. You know, that was purposeful. You know, there's such a thing as irony in comic, comedy, and Walt, it just kind of went over your head, as a lot of things do. I, I understand it was purposeful. I was just being silly. You were being silly. God, this is what happens when you hire volleyballs. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> how long is this volleyball thing going to go on? I want you all to know out there that I met lots of people at Actful, and, you know, they all had very nice things to say, and they all, very many of them, uh, commented on the fact that I look nothing like a volleyball. So just so Have that you're aware. Have they seen you naked? Oh, my goodness <laughs> gracious. Wow. Okay, we need like a buzzer. Okay. Like a Can we bleep just that kidding, out, please? Just no, kidding. and neither have just you. Kidding. Thank you very much. Good grief. I know. I just, uh, you see, you were trying to be so, funny. Now I'm trying to be funny. But you're referring to my face, if I recall. Have you ever seen this face so. naked? Okay. <laughs> Without earphones on? <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to take mine off and walk out the door right now. <laughs> anyway, back to errors. Let's get back yes, to errors. Back to errors. Back your to volleyball like um, uh, facade or whatever it's called. <laughs> but even what happened in, in the beginning of the 1970s when SLA uh, uh, research began hardcore, um, errors were seen as a sign of learning. So they weren't something bad, but they were seen as a sign of learning. But they were still called errors. Okay, they were still called errors. And today we refer to anything that learners do that is non-target like as an error. So what I want to do today to get the discussion rolling into to kind of pique you into thinking about this topic is that if we truly, truly believe in the nature of second language acquisition, right? If we truly believe in what second language acquisition is, if we really believe in the construct of, of what is called interlanguage, um, if we believe in all these things, then there cannot be such things as errors. Something that is non-native-like is not an error if it's consistent with the learner's internal system, right? So there's no such thing as an error if it's consistent with the internal system. So what I'm saying is that externally we can call it an error, but that doesn't really get us anything because internally it can be an error. So an error is really actually, it's like physics, it's impossible. It's like when, they, when Einstein said black holes were impossible, right? Well, he turned out to be, oh, actually, right now they're saying that black holes maybe we actually don't exist. So maybe Albert Einstein was right after all. But anyway. <laughs> So the use of the term error has been unfortunate, and, and that's all I'm going to say about it right now because I know things will, will come up as people call in or send us their questions and so on. I don't know if we've got anybody on the phone yet. I do, I do not know that. We're waiting for people to call. So Walter's manning the, the Gmail account to see if there are questions coming in, and I know that there are other ways that people are talking to us. Walter, what do you got? You've got your screen up there. Sure. I've got an email. Email question from someone named out in email land. Her name is Cynthia. And uh, she has – it's a bit of a long question because she gives an example. So I'll, I'll just read it as it's written and you can, uh, you can cut me off if you want. But I hope you don't because uh, I think it's a good question. I think it's something that would be helpful uh, to start, start us off on this conversation. It says, at times my Spanish 4 students are so excited – how exciting – when they talk that they make errors that I'm sure they know the correct way to say. If I stop them after they say something incorrectly, they pause and then they self-correct. If they know the correct grammar, why don't they say it the first time? Too much emotion that correct grammar is pushed aside or is it wrong Is it wrong for me to stop them? And then she offers some clarification here. She says, for example – Wait, wait, wait. wait. Sorry. Let's just handle that first okay. because sure. we can go to the example afterwards. Um, but I, I want to de I want to uh, deconstruct this and, and, and unpack a little bit this first part of the question. Um, because of a couple of things that uh, Cynthia, right? Cynth what Cynthia puts right. in there. Um, one is she says that they know the grammar, but then they don't do it right. Right. The they know the correct way to say it, to say it, and then if she, but if she, you know, if she corrects or she says 
stops them, then they say, oh, wait, no, it's this way. Okay. So, so what I'm hearing in that is that they in, in their inner language system is probably something is not there or it's not robustly enough represented that it's actually part of the system. And so what, what she is reacting to is the fact that they consciously know something and they can apply it in particular tasks that she has them doing, but it's really not part of their inner language. And so what she's seeing as an error is, is, is something completely different than what I'm talking about. Because it sounds to me like what she's observing is her students functioning with some kind of explicit grammatical knowledge in their heads, right? And we all know that people can do that. They do that a lot in the early stages of language learning, e even a little bit more advanced too. And so um, the fact that they can self-correct in the moment, or if she kind of hints at an error or does something to intervene and then they self-correct, suggests to me that we're talking about a different thing from what Cynthia's talking about. So Cynthia, if I understand you correctly, what you're talking about is your learner's ability to apply their conscious knowledge about grammar, what Krashen calls a monitor, for example, during some kind of active communication. Um, and that's different from having an interlanguage system actually in your head that's unconscious and implicit where that thing probably doesn't exist. Because if it's there, it's there. There's a whole other thing, too, that, that we have to remember that Cynthia is not hinting at, but I'll, I'll just mention briefly, is that there's enough research now that we also know that you can have something represented in your mind-brain. It can be in that interlanguage system, but it has difficulty coming out because one thing is your underlying implicit system, and then there's another thing that we call the interface between that system and your, and, and your productive mechanisms. We don't know quite know why it happens, but but you can be variable or, or, or not do stuff in your output that is actually in your interlanguage. And we don't know why yet. Um, it's called the missing surface inflection hypothesis. That's one version of it. That was put out by Lydia White and um, Philippe Prévost, for example. Um, so, so, Cynthia, I think that what you're experiencing is um, your students are good and they can apply explicit knowledge during certain kinds of tasks you're having them do in class, but they really don't have this grammar in their heads yet. It's just not part of their inner language, and I think that's what you're experiencing. Um, so if you're having fun with your students, though, and if things are going okay, then keep on doing what you're doing. But just remember that, that if they're self-correcting and, and they're responding to your correction, it's probably because they're working with explicit knowledge and not their inner language system or some combination of the two, for that matter, because mm -hmm. who knows what's going on in real time, half the time, with learners anyway. Anyway, so that's my response to Cynthia. Great. Anything else that she wants? So do you, uh, she just gave it a clarification, but I think you, you've kind of addressed the, the issue there. So Okay. Well, good. Oh, my gosh. Is, is it just me or is it hot in here? I think I'm going through menopause or something. My God. <laughs> it's like warm in here. It's just what is wrong with the studio well, you know, today? I, I think it's, it's the, the fireplace that we're looking at. Oh, yeah, y'all. We, we have this uh, neat big monitor on the wall that gives us the time and – and then um, Dustin and, 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 the, and the studio um, technicians put up who's calling and things like that. And so Jeff, Jeff Maloney, who's working with us again today, is, has got a fireplace scene up there and with the fire crackling. And I think that... They turned image, off the sound of the fire crackling. Yeah, they turned the, sign off, the sound off, but we're looking at this crackling fireplace, and I think it's giving me the psychotic... Well, not the psychotic. What do you call it? Psychosomatic? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the psychotic. I don't know. I think psychotic. What do you call crackling. that one? This power of suggestion, whatever it is. I don't know. But anyway, so... All right. Where are we? Um, okay, do we have another question from anybody or a comment? Sure. I, I mean, otherwise, I have... I'm going to talk about. I'm, I'm going to talk about Walter's um, penchant for um, blizzards. Pension. But, but your pension oh. for blizzards. <laughs> <laughs> your wow. pension. Wow. I'd like okay, to put you on a pension. <laughs> Both of you are here in t-shirts now. What what no, what happened? It's because it's, it's hot. It's polo hot. shirts. It's well, hot. I mean, they don't have sleeves. Oh, before we oh. take the next question, I'm going to do this real quick um, before it gets too much more into the show. Is the three of us? If you weren't at Actful, the three of us went to the booth in the exhibit hall. They were taking photos of people and, and then putting them on uh, this card to make it look like you were going to be on the cover of the language educator, right? And so Walter and Angelica and I Which ran Which is over an there. actual publication. Yes, just, yes. Right. Everybody should know. I sh you shouldn't even have to explain that. That's like saying the sky is blue. Okay. So, <laughs> so to be on the cover of the language educator. And so we thought, we didn't know if this was true or not, but we thought if we went there and got our picture taken that we could be in the running for being on the cover. Okay, so we don't know if it's true or not, but we're hoping that's true. So what we want to do is start a campaign. So Luca Giappone, who's going to um, tweet you all next week about this for us, is going to tweet you the photo um, with tagged for Actful. And what we want you to do is, is go into Twitter and tweet it back and, and send it on and say, yes, you want us to be on the cover of the Language Educator. 
So do that, and, and we'll see what happens. So make the campaign and get your tweets in, and let Actville know that you support Tea with BBP, and you want our three lovely smiles. It was a really good photo. It was. It, it turned is. out yeah. really good. Good no. photo. Angelica, <laughs> me, and the volleyball. It was really, really oh, good. Oh, come on, Bill. <laughs> we have a couple of people on Twitter. Well, Mixler, actually. Yelling um, at me attesting, about Yeah, attesting to the fact that Walter looks nothing like Wilson. Thank you. I know. Thank you. I am that. very appreciative of those supporters out there. I love you all. Thank you for your support. <laughs> <laughs> I've got okay. a question here. Okay, from, people, wait till you see him without his headphones on, I tell you. Okay. <laughs> All right. This question's from Sam. All right. And Sam says, although I strongly support the idea of no errors when it comes to language acquisition, I am frustrated. And this comes back to a a topic from a few weeks ago. I'm frustrated by an academic situation in which I'm forced to give grades. I try to base as much as I can upon participation and effort, but my administration only lets that go so far. Additionally, I have been part-time in a neighboring district where all students are required to take the level one foreign language class in order to graduate. When students are required to take the course, it really changes the dynamic of the class and they don't, as they don't even want to be there. So here's my line of questions. So there are a few of them here. Would you support moving foreign language class grading system to non-credit, credit, no credit format? Would that be enough? Or would the issue of failure still be problematic? I, I think that whether you do a credit or non-credit or grades makes no difference because what, what is it that you're grading? Okay, so you're still going to give a credit, no credit, you're still going to fall in some trap of grading something that may now be part of language acquisition. I, I th- honestly think that the only way around this issue, because uh, t- when was it? a couple of weeks ago we had a show about this, right? When mm-hmm. was that? Yep. But, um, and so, Sam, thank you for the question. You're tying our today's topic back in. Um, that Because, again, if errors are not a sign of failure, if errors don't exist, if, if the learner's learner language system is what it is at that given point in time, you, you can't assign a grade to it. So that's basically... That's underlying Sam's question here. So, Sam, I'm beginning to think, you know, and I know this is radical, but maybe it's not so radical because I think they've tried it a few places, is that we ought to just have pure and simple just some kind of proficiency requirements. So you attain X level or Y level and and A, B, and C skills or whatever, and once you do that, you're done. And there's no grade assigned, and you get on your transcript, you get a little certificate, whether it's secondary or college or whatever it says in your transcript, reached intermediate, mid, or reached intermediate, intermediate high, whatever it is level that's, that says on your, you know, in Spanish or German or French on your transcript, and then whether it took you three semesters or four semesters or five semesters, doesn't make any difference. Um, and that also puts the, uh, some, some more onus on the student, I think, as a language learner to take more control of his learning, right, or her learning, um, so uh, rather than just trying to go for a grade. Because again, most grades aren't reflective of language acquisition. They're reflective of something else. And again, go back to the beginning about credit, no credit. If you do credit, no credit, it's no, not going to be any different than doing a regular grade. You're going to be in the same situation. Right? All right. Did huh. Sam Thank have more questions question, there? Sam. No, that was, there were several just right there at okay. the end. So, I yeah. think Mikey from Arizona asked us a similar question. Um, pull up, see if you can find Mikey. Mike, remember, everybody remember Mikey? He's one oh, of our favorite. Absolutely. Uh, he's our fan. I love Mikey. Mikey had to move to Michigan. Were you just about to say that he's our number one fan? No, no, okay, no, no. Just making sure. Just <laughs> no, making no. sure. I was about to say he's one of our favorite But if you'd fans. like to vie for that, he's certainly welcome to call in. <laughs> Remember the number, everybody, 517-884-4321. We'd love to hear your voice today. Yeah. So please feel free to call in. We have the SLA Challenge Quiz, but we also would love to hear your questions and comments about Errors, and I know that some of my students are out there. They get their cans got cl- their their class got canceled this afternoon. They're supposed to be their calling cans in. Got classled. Yeah, their cans <laughs> got classled. Their cans got, and that's not an error. Anybody out there thinking the learning? That's called a slip of the tongue. You want to know how that works? I can give you the psycholinguistic reasons for that. Okay, I've got another great question here, though. Are we ready for a really good one? Yeah, sure. Okay, here's a really not that the other ones weren't really good, but I think this uh, this is an excellent question here. It says. Based on your presentations, referring to Bill Van Patten, BVP, I understand what you mean when you say there's no such thing as errors. At the same time, and this is from Justin. I don't know if I mentioned that. Justin's asking this question. It's helpful to have a term to indicate when a particular utterance would be judged ungrammatical, non-standard, or incomprehensible by most native speakers. Do you have a preferred term or a preferred approach to distinguishing between ways in which or degrees to which an utterance differs from a, a communal standard? 
No, because again, all communication is contextually defined. So you can tell a student in one-on-one or one-on-two that what he or she is saying would not be understood by a native speaker, but that student's not in a native speaking environment. That student's in a classroom with you and with other students, and the, the context of communication is much, much different. So I don't have another term. I just prefer to just get rid of the term altogether and stop thinking about all that kind of stuff. So I guess that what happens when a student says something that's incomprehensible to you even as a in a classroom setting? Though? Yeah, if it's incomprehensible so, to me, you just negotiate meeting the way you do in any kind of communicative context. You say, I'm sorry. No entiendo. I don't understand. What do you say? Je ne comprends pas. Je comprends pas. Ich verstehe so, gar nichts. Exactly. Ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. Bahnhof, yes, Bahnhof. See that? Bahnhof. Bahnhof. I only understand train station. That's what we say in German. Oh, I understand. Okay. <laughs> Me not speaking speak so, English. I was I was stuck in Ostbahnhof for quite some time one oh, time when awful. I was in Germany because everyone was getting off the train and I was like, what's going on here? Hmm. Because they were making an announcement and what the announcement was was the next train stop or the next stop is closed, so you have to get off here and take a bus to the next train oh, stop. Get back up. But I didn't know that, so I, I could get to the end of the line and I'd be like, wait, I'm supposed to keep going. They wouldn't let me go, so I Sad. kept getting stuck in the bus. I'm sorry. Say it again. Ostbahnhof. Ostbahnhof. Yes. Mm. I'm, Tragic. I, I'm. I'm. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm sitting in the because I'm already in trouble for calling you a volleyball. So I'm not going to say anything else right now. I'm going to just keep that to myself. We had a couple of questions on Mixler. Um, well, let's Celeste, hear Celeste was asking. Yay, so Celeste. I like Should that name, we Celeste. just let them talk without making any corrections? So this is going back to the. Um, to the question that Cynthia had earlier. Okay, let's <clears throat> let them talk about making any corrections. What does correction suggest? That they're making errors. If you believe those are errors, then you make corrections. If you don't believe they're errors because that's what the system is, then you don't make correction. I mean, correction only makes sense if you believe these things are errors. And what I'm, I, my argument is that they're not errors because that's what the learner's system is. Now, so what? How? So how do they then acquire a more as uh, as Justin was asking, I think that's what he's kind of getting at. How do they get to the point where they are more comprehensible to a native speaker? I mean, as as they develop, I mean, you got to remember all learners. these things. All these things are contextually defined in the following way. Let's let's look at what part of the problem is. Part of the problem is that you're making learners do things they're not ready to do, and the minute they start doing that, they're going to all kinds of garbage is going to come out of their mouths, also out of their pens or their fingers if they're at the keyboard, because they're just they don't have the underlying ability yet to do stuff. And so what you're basically doing is saying, I'm going to make you do something beyond your competence, and then I'm going to correct you for doing it wrong. I mean, that just that to me is just, it's a self-fulfilling problem. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense to me. Um, so if we stop pushing for production so much early on, that's one thing. Steve Krashen said this before, and I don't disagree with him. I mean, a lot of people don't like this response, but he, what Steve has said in the past is the cure for non-nativeness is more interaction with the input and more exposure to the language. And to a certain extent, he's right. I'm not saying he's 100% right, because, I mean, you know, the, it's not clear that people can ever become native. Like, that's a whole other, we'll, we'll have to have a show about that. But um, learners, I mean, you, you have to believe how acquisition happens. How do you think acquisition happens? That's your first question. What is the nature of language? How does acquisition happen? And if you believe that acquisition happens through correcting people's errors, then you don't believe that input is the major factor in acquisition. You don't believe that the internal mechanisms that organize and store language are the same. You, you, you believe something else. So you have to admit to yourself, what do I actually believe about acquisition? And then once I understand what, my what I believe about acquisition, I proceed from there. So in my, in my world, in mainstream SLA, is that, it, and this is almost every major theory, whether you do generative theory or input processing theory or you do emergentism and usage-based theory or you do dynamics, all this kind of stuff, they're all going to converge, not exactly the same, but they're all going to converge on the similar idea that learner systems are learner systems. And some of these outside influences are going to be negligible on those systems. So, um, so the direct answer to that question is if learners are talking and producing all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't produce because you don't like it, it's probably because you're making them do stuff they can't do. That's, that's I would change the tasks. But the other thing is, is that, that you can always negotiate meaning with your students in the moment. Um, and, and if they say something wrong, I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. You can recast. You can say, well, do you mean to say this? I mean, those are all kinds of things you can do that are part of the communicative enterprise, but not are, they're not corrections. 
When And actually, uh, speaking of recasts, this is something that Jason was asking too here on Mixler. Do recasts harm or help? You know, that Jason, that's a good question. That's That research on that is the jury's open on that. It depends on who you read and who you talk to. Um, Roy Lister, <laughs> McGill, if you're listening to this, you're going to jump all over me, I know. Um, or Leila Ranta. Um, but the... But it's not clear what recasts do because the way people measure – does everybody out there know what recasts – should I explain what recasts are real quick? Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. you should, yeah. Recasts are – for those of you who don't know the term recast, what recast is is – okay, Walter, say something like say something like a non-native speaker. Um, je allais aux toilettes. Ah, tu, 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 tu vois to, à toilette maintenant? Uh, uh, no dans le pantalon. Um, <laughs> Uh, je allais, um, s'il vous plaît. Ah, okay. Tu, tu veux aller à la toilette? Okay. Bon. Oui, tu veux aller. Oui. Bon. Okay, what I just did there is I just negotiated with Walter what he meant, and I recast. What I did is I reset, <laughs> I reset what he meant to say in a form that was, uh, that was uh, quote-unquote, more standard-like or more native-like or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's what a recast is. A recast is a reformation of the learner's utterance in, to show that you understood um, and what it does also does, by the way, is in that moment provides more input for that learner. Um, so, so, so recasts are part of a communicative event, right? Now, um, what the research tends to measure is the learner's reaction to that. Um, so um, what we do is in the research is, so Walter at that point didn't do anything. He just nodded his head at me. But sometimes what a learner will do is go, go Oui, oui, je, je veux aller. He will repeat what I just said to show that he understood what I just said. That's called uptake, when Walter also says something in response and shows something in his speech that wasn't there before. But uptake is not the same thing as intake. Intake is you know, what we know it gets processed in real time and gets four meaning tagged and so on. Um, and so it's not clear what uptake does and not clear what these recasts do and so on. So depending on who you talk to out there, Jason, um, Recasts might do something; they might not do something. I don't think they're harmful if they're if they're part of the communicative act because communication is communication, and people like to know when you back channel, right? If you're being understood, if you're not being understood, you can do. Con we do this all the time in English, right, Walter? See, Walter and I just did it right now. I just looked at Walter, said, "Right, Walter." <laughs> Walter's not saying that's part of. Oh yeah, I should probably use words. Communication. On, on live, right? That's part of confirmation <laughs> checking and so on. So. Um, and you know, I know we have a caller on the line, but just before we take that caller, um, Emma just uh, posted on Mixler and said, "Research shows, does it not, that recasts have the least effect on students because if their level of awareness isn't high, they cannot notice the correction and apply it." Well, see, yeah, apply it means during uptake, and that's that's why I'm saying that that even Emma in that research where it might show that they have to be of a higher level, you're still dealing with this concept of uptake, and it's not clear that uptake has to do with anything with acquisition. It could still be working with explicit knowledge. Like I just noticed something and I could repeat it back, but that's not part of necessarily how stuff gets in your head. So, um, but then again, we can we can we can debate that. We'll, I think we'll, I think some of the some of the time too, particularly you know. Uh, in that situation, if I had responded, oui, je veux aller, you know, uh, the reality is that I'm, I'm using a similar form that you use. But if I were doing that in Spanish, I might just say, si quieres ir, you know, uh, and so, right, so right, right, right. not really know, as Emma was saying, not really knowing how to best apply what, what I've just heard. So, Okay, I think we have a, do we have a caller on the phone? I think I got a little uh, flash up here on yeah, our screen. Yeah, we do. Matt is. Do we have yeah, Matt calling? Mm -hmm. Is Matt on the line somewhere? Hello, Matt. Our Are phone line, we got poor Dustin. We're doing two things at once. So we are looking to see, is, are we hooked up with Matt yet? I'm not hearing Matt. Are we Matt here, Matt? Matt, I think we lost there? Matt. But let's keep No, talking. I think he's there. I think okay. Dustin sees him. He's just not coming through on the feed. So. We'll have to, is that, he's there. Matt, are you there? There he I is. I am. Hey, there's Matt. How you doing, Hi, Matt. Matt? Hey, guys. Matt, Great where show you, again this week. Where are you calling from? A little town close to where you guys are. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what's up, Matt? What are you calling so, about? So I have a question just to kind of um, jump into this conversation here. My question is, knowing that, because um, when we talk about second language acquisition, we're talking about adult brains and not, not child brains now, and knowing that adults bring, um, if not a different set of cognitive tools, at least a more mature set of cognitive tools uh, to the party. Are you uh, saying we're smarter than, than children? 
No, I'm actually not, right? Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're not really talking about intelligence, right? We're talking about just higher levels of maturation, right? So the question I have is, um, given that, again, adults are bringing a slightly different tool set to the table, is there no room for, you know, kind of bootstrapping that is kind of, uh, I hate to say the word explicit instruction, but at least explicit pointing out of things so that, you know, if people are making quote-unquote errors, at least errors in terms of their production, um, you know, of course, input is certainly uh, of, of prime importance. But as I said, given that these are adult speakers, not child speakers, children, um, is there no room for saying, hey, well, you know, wait a second. No, you actually want to say it this way or you don't want to say it that way. Uh, um, again, this goes back to what I said earlier, Matt, about having a clear idea in your head about the nature of acquisition and how acquisition happens. So if you believe um, in, in all the, the mainstream constructs, and, and this is independent of any theory except maybe one or two that I can think of, um, then what is missing in the scenario you're describing is any mechanism by which that information can somehow be transduced, transformed, made use of, blah, 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 through the systems that are responsible for acquisition. So even though adults might have some different cognitive mechanisms than children, or they might be more mature in terms of the information they can handle, whatever you want to phrase that, um, if you have a working definition and a working model of acquisition, what's missing in there is any way for that information to, to be used by the systems that are responsible for acquisition. So um, you can point something out, but what, what, is it, what is it you're pointing out and what happens to that information when you point it out? Where does it go? What does it do? So if you, if you believe, for example, that acquisition is input dependent and you believe in things like universal grammar, or, or you don't even have to believe, you can believe in universe, you can believe in a usage-based thing, you don't have to believe in universal grammar the way I do. Um, then then, um, then everything, is, everything is derived through some interaction between the input out there and these internal mechanisms responsible for organizing and storing language and, and, and filtering the data from the input and so on. So where does that piece of information about, hey, Walter, you should have, you just, you know, when you use that LA as je veux aller, what, where does that information go? Where does it fit in that picture of acquisition? That's the problem we all have. Um, and this is why it, it's not clear to me that that, that stuff can do anything. Um, and there's, n again, with exception of a couple of theories, there's no theory out there I know of that actually has a role for those things because the underlying mechanisms can't make use of them. So it probably doesn't answer the question the way you want it to be answered, but. Um, no, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a comparison with sports, actually, right? So, you know, we, we kind of want to say that um, just like we don't want to be teaching about language in our courses, you know, we want to be teaching using input and everything. It's, it's kind of akin to, you know, telling someone this is how you shoot a basket. It's quite different from actually shooting a basket. Right, going out in real life. Um, I, I just, as I said, I kind of wonder if, you know, for the basketball player, they may go ahead and use meta-analysis to break down what exactly it is that they're doing, and, and that, I believe, leads to improvement. And I just wonder if the kind of mechanisms that lead to some kind of um, sports acquisition, if you will, isn't so completely different from language acquisition. Obviously, they're not the same thing, but again, there's there's something coming from inside, right? In both cases, not well, not necessarily. Not, I mean, because you have completely different mechanisms responsible. What's responsible for language is not the visual spatial mechanism that's used, for example, or or the musculature mechanism that's used in sports. In your example of shooting a basketball. Or, or learning how to do something. I mean, it's a completely different set of things in the brain, a different part of your body. I mean, there's just different things involved. And so you can't assume that because it works this one way, or it might work this one way this, when it, with one set of mechanisms, it's going to work the same with another set of mechanisms. Because if these things are all specialized, they might be specialized for different reasons and respond to different kinds of things. So, uh, so that's that's... That's, I mean, those, those working in the field of language, I mean, that's another thing you have to also do is when you think about language acquisition, you have to have some theory about the nature of language and what you think language is. 
um, and, 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 and what actually kind of sits and resides in your brain. Because, again, you're going to need some kind of transducer. You need something to, to translate that information that you give learners to something that can be used by the, um, by the mechanisms that create and, and make language in the head. So, and, uh, and, the, and the research is pretty spotty on this stuff, I'll tell you. It's pretty spotty on whether that stuff does anything, so. All right. Very interesting. It is. I mean, we've, we've uh, just to, we'll move on here in a minute, but just to wrap up with, with Matt's question, is that, you know, we've had 40 years of research on acquisition orders and stage development and so on, many of, much of which looks just like first language acquisition, by the way. And at no point in the history of 40 years of research have we found any single piece of evidence that we can alter those things. The stage development is always research itself. Uh, acquisition orders always reassert themselves. Um, they are never, they are never uh, overrun or overridden. What's the word I want? Overridden? Over, if, overridden. They're never overridden or changed uh, because of these other things that happen from an external influence. So, I, I think that's telling about things. So, thank you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. All right, guys. All right. Thank you for the Thanks call. Thanks a lot. By the way, speaking of, uh, Matt said we had a nice show. We had a really nice um, email from someone who uh, gave us a nice compliment. Oh, right. Who was that, Walter? Read that out loud. Let I want people to know that people love us here. out there. Let me see. Where are all you callers in the meantime? I'm mad. We oh, got a call-in yes. quiz. I got these two great prizes. They're going to go ungiven. Can I say ungiven? They're going to yeah. go. Sure. Yeah. They're going to go ungiven. I'm going to keep them myself. I think you and should. And not give them to people. Mm -hmm. if they don't call in and take the quiz. So. All right, here's our kind our kind word. This is okay. from Steve. He says, a million thank yous for your show. You are giving me ways to engage students and colleagues and second language acquisition theory and language, with, sorry, with language a layperson can comprehend. Look forward to the next show. So thank you, Steve, for your kind words. Hey, Steve. I had, because I read that earlier, and I thought that was really nice. That's how people should know that. That's, that's good. I'm glad that Steve is able to make use of our... Showing some productive way with his, his colleagues and students. I have, a, I have another good question for you. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Since we don't seem to have any callers today. Well, actually, I, I think they're all afraid. We have some comments here on Mixler that people don't want to call in and fail the quiz, make an error. Oh, oh no. Gee, the irony of it. Oh, come on. <laughs> you wusses. You wimps. I got these great, I got these great prizes. You're well, and you hard. have lifelines too, people. Keep in mind. Oh, no. Call in, call in, call in, call in, call in. So that you know, by the way, I let Lizette kiss uh, Walter, even though she didn't quite get all the answers oh, right on the quiz. Oh, here we go again. So, so okay, I'm, I'm anyway. not that hard. I'm an easy grader, so <laughs> I'm an easy grader. So Here's another question. Ready? Okay, give us the question. Uh, this is a question again. This is another question from Justin. He says, when I've heard you speak about how there's no such thing as errors, the conversation has been about production. How utterances simply reflect. Let's try that again. How utterances simply reflect a speaker's current mental representation of the language. Would you say, by the same reasoning, that there's no such thing as errors in comprehension? Is it worth saying that a learner's interpretation of speech or text is not erroneous, even if it differs them uh, from and perhaps contradicts that of most native speakers? Um, yeah, again, you comprehend at the level that you're at. And so, okay, let's take an example. Let's, let's say that you have no verbal morphology yet in Spanish. Let's say your system, um, your system is, um, um, what's the word, at a stage where past tense morphology has not made it in. Okay, so you're at level X, right? And so you hear a sentence and you don't hear the past tense on it and you think the person's speaking in the present tense. That's not an error because your system doesn't have anything to encode or decode or what do you call it, to make that connection between the, what the morpheme is indicating and, um, and what the person's intent is and, and so on. So it's not an error. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's not an <laughs> error. So, so yes. So who's that? Was that Justin? That was Justin. So yes, that, that's indeed. a good question, Justin. So it, it, it's both the same. So whether it's in production or whether it's in comprehension, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, there's no so such it thing means as you negotiate meaning again. Yeah. Yeah, you negotiate. It's meaning. harder to negotiate meaning with a text that you're reading, I guess. But. Mm. And the problem with comprehension is a lot of those, a lot of those things just go completely unnoticed by the by a teacher or an interlocutor because you can't sure. always tell what a person is right. not comprehending. So thanks for that, Justin. 
Hey, guess what? I just got the signal. Guess what, gang? What? We have somebody calling in for the SLA challenge quiz. Who yeah. is it? Who du is it? Dustin, is that right? We have somebody calling in for the SLA challenge quiz. I think I think it's my is Mikey calling in. Oh Yay. my god. It's my Mikey. favorite guy, Mikey. Mikey, are you on the line yet? Um, I think Dustin is trying. Poor Dustin is working. He, Dustin needs like three arms over there because um, Daniel's away this <laughs> afternoon at a meeting. And so Dustin is doing calls. He's working the soundboard. He's working the computer. He's like, my God, you just need to do, you throw your, take your shoes off and use your feet too, Dustin. Maybe that will help. <laughs> okay. I think Mikey needs to uh, to try out uh, oh, for oh, his. Oh, oh he's Mikey. there. Mikey. He's there. Hi, Mike. Mikey. Hey, hey, everyone. How you doing? Hey, doing Mikey. great. How are you? How are you? Hey, I want to say it was great meeting you all in person. And if for listeners, they can see the show at Axel on YouTube. If they haven't already checked it out, you want to see what's happening in real time or real life, you guys are awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that. Mikey. It was, nice it was very good to meet you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 it was great to meet you. Mikey's like, you know, I watch Stephanie, I watch, I listen to Stephanie Miller every morning in my car when I drive around, and, and she's got regulars who call in that, oh, hi, Judith, it's Judith calling everywhere. They have this little applause thing, goes, yay, and then, you know, oh, Judith, what do you do on top? So Mikey's like our Judith that calls in to Stephanie Miller. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're always happy to have you call, Mikey. You can call anytime you want. How's that? Well, I didn't. I didn't really want to call today, but I realized teachers are in the classroom, and I happen to be done for the day. So nice. I'm like, I'm calling. Well, Excellent. Well, Good for we you. I that. know there are some other people out there, Mikey, that aren't in the classroom, and they're just not calling in. I uh, just, I'm gonna yeah, let you know. So I. I'm, I'm, chickens, exactly. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna give you. I'm I just might be so nice to you and give you two prizes if you get all the answers right. Oh, hey. <laughs> Let's do awesome. that. If you get two out of three, you get one prize. If you get three out of three, I'll send you two prizes. Uh, two prizes. What if that? he doesn't get any right. right? If he doesn't get any right, you have to take a date with Walter Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Can we fire this guy now, joke. please? <laughs> All right, Mikey. So you're calling in for the quiz? Is that what you're calling in for? Yeah. What's that? Are you yeah. calling in yeah, for the quiz? Do it. Are you ready for the quiz? Yeah. Are you sitting down? Uh, I am sitting down. Oh, no, I'm standing, actually. Okay, well, that's it's right. It's okay. Whatever you're, probably, you're comfortable with. Are, are you one of those people who talks on the phone and paces at the same time? Oh, my gosh. I'm so that person. Uh, <laughs> you're, you and I would get along. We, I could see us talking to each other on the phone, and I'm walking back and forth in my house, and you're walking back in your house. I can just see that. Okay. That's all, that's all I do. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Question number one. You ready for this? Yep. Okay. Contemporary second language research can be traced to a seminal publication by S. Pitt Corder in 1967. What was the title of that publication? Here are your choices. A, interlanguage. B, the significance of learners' errors. C, the monitor model. D, the Hardy Boys investigate language acquisition. <laughs> you know, it took a lot for me not to to be like Eric and just come blurt out with that <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, but everyone should read this. You mentioned it last week. Everyone should be reading this. Should be reading Significance of Learner's Errors. Yay, ding, 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 ding. You are correct. Woohoo! And of course, I had to use the I had to use something with the word errors in it because I think if Espit Corder were alive now, poor guy, he passed on. But if he were alive now, he might want to go back and change that title now. But anyway, well, yes. So that yeah, is well, yes. And definitely, if, if I could say something, something that we talk about often in our PLC is on the last page of that paper where he quotes von what's his name von Humboldt. Von Humboldt, yeah. That's a that's a great uh, some great information. All teachers should be checking out that quote. Well, I'll tell you what, Mikey. I want you to call in next week and get that get that paper, and I'm going to let you read that quote uh, uh, on the air next week, okay? Okay. okay All so right. I'm one for one. Let's keep going. Okay. Number two. <laughs> error analysis. See my theme here? I got errors going on in these yeah. questions. Okay. Error analysis. I'll uh, correct your grammar if you make any mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a mistake right now. <laughs> okay, error analysis, an idea popular in the 1970s and 1980s, was based on which of the following? A, comparing the first language with the target language would predict errors that learners would make. B, describing learners' errors could be a metric of relative proficiency. C, examining learner speech could reveal how language is processed and organized by learners. D. Using Freudian analysis on L2 learners perpetuated phallic-centered approaches to interlanguage study. Wow. These are some tough choices. 
Can you reread B for me? Describing learners' errors could be a metric of relative proficiency. Okay, so I don't think A and B. Give me C and D again. Give me C. C is examining learner speech could reveal how language is processed and organized by learners. Okay. And D is using Freudian analysis on L2 learners perpetuated phallic-centered approaches to interlanguage study. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you are. Can, let, me, let me see if anyone's given me a suggestion on Mixler. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is, any, is anyone on here? I'm looking. Let me refresh. No, come on, Carol Gobb. I see. Come on, you cannot. <laughs> you better not be. You better not be googling error analysis right now. Right? <laughs> You're down to one prize. Okay, I'm gonna go with. I'm having a little trouble hearing. I don't know the answer here. No one has given me a, any heads up on Mixer. I'm gonna go with what most students should do on a test. I'm gonna go with C. Examining learner speech could reveal how language is processed and organized by learners. Yes, no, that's maybe. Yes, that's no. correct. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what. Yay! Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, air analysis was very right. popular. It, it, it helped get the field founded. Actually, people would study what, what the out, you know, the output of learners, and then uh -huh. try to work backwards and say what's going on in their heads. That's exactly what it was. Okay, and it was called air analysis okay, rather good. than learner learner analysis. So you're two for two. Okay. All right. Ready for your third one? Let's go. Buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy question. Here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Under audiolingualism and behavioristic approaches to language instruction, what was a major guiding principle for instructors? A, explain grammar carefully and clearly. B, encourage questions from students. C, avoid allowing learners to speak spontaneously. D, spare the rod and you'll spoil the student. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a, the, the sound's a little muffled. I think I know what the answer is, but can you repeat the question one more time? Sure. Under audiolingualism and behavioristic approaches to language instruction, what was a major guiding principle for instructors? Oh, boy. Do you want me to repeat well, the, remember, I can repeat the choices. We got time here, Mikey. Okay, repeat B, C, and D for me. B, encourage questions from students. C, avoid allowing learners to speak spontaneously. D, spare the rod and you'll spoil the student. Oh, boy. And, and uh, um, you're muffled again, but you're asking about audiolingual method? Is yes. that what you said? Yes, yes. Okay, I'm going to go with B as in boy. Encourage questions from students? No, 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 no. I'm going to go with A. Explain grammar carefully and clearly? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to go with I'm going to go with C. Avoid allowing learners to speak spontaneously? Oh. No, that's not it either, is it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Mikey, check Mixler real quick. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with C. No, I'm going to go with C. Yeah, let's go with C. Okay, y you sure? <laughs> you sure? I mean, yeah, I'm I got this one, C. <laughs> okay, yeah, under audiolingualism and behavioristic approaches to language instruction, you were supposed to not let learners speak spontaneously. Woo, Mikey! In other words, you avoided yeah, communication. Yeah, uh, Why? You know why? <laughs> tell me why. Do you know why? No, tell me more. I want to hear, because uh, this is before my time, you know. Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> um, because if you allow learners to speak spontaneously, they might make, make errors. errors. And you don't so want them to make You had so. to avoid errors at all cost under audiolingualism behaviorism because errors were bad. Bad errors. Bad. You know, it's so funny. We have the saying, we learn from our mistakes, <laughs> but we're so afraid to have students uh, have any kind of error or, you know, we want to make people feel bad for making errors when, when the famous saying is that we, we learn from our mistakes. So it should be happening in language, too. Well, you know, I, all I can say is regrets. I've had a few. <laughs> but then, too few to mention. <laughs> I did okay. what I had to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going okay, off on a tangent. Yeah, okay, Mikey. <laughs> we start having another conversation. Okay, so let's tell Mikey what prizes he's won. Oh, Ready? Yeah. Here's the first yeah. prize. He's winning a... 
I thought he got to choose between them. Or no, he got both, no, both because he oh, was brave enough. Oh, he got enough. them both. That's exactly. right. He got, he got all three questions. Okay, okay Mikey, this? first option is a back scratcher. It's extendable. Extendable. So, okay. You can fit That's it in your really back exciting. pocket, and then you can pull it out, and it goes to like two feet. So it's purple. Did Walter pick this out? Did no. Walter pick this one out? No, Bill <laughs> picked this out, but I was having fun with oh. it earlier today. Yeah, stop Not playing with it. That's the one that's used. You're going to have to decudiize it because Walter's been playing with it the whole time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then the other is, I don't know if you have this, but maybe you don't. But if not, you can always give it to somebody. You can give somebody your copy and you'll get the autograph copy. But um, uh, my book, From Input to Output, A Teacher's Guide to Second Language Acquisition. Um, hey, I will I, I will sign this and this will go in the mail with your um, back scratcher to you sometime in the near future. You should get it by next week sometime. How's that? Very good. On one, inc- I, lo- I would love to have that book. I, on one condition, that you write me a personalized message inscription if i could be so bold to demand that well of course i haven't I signed it yet that. what do you think i'm going to do that's why i waited to see who's going to get the the, the challenge oh, so i could personalize I'm so, it I, i'm so excited i think a lot of people are going to be jealous do you own It'll, that book i do not okay it's a good one it's a good one uh but carol's very upset with you she says she wishes that that would have been her prize she wants to know if mikey and she can trade prizes oh, god these children <laughs> sibling <laughs> rivalry <laughs> my god Carol, you got to get your butt about, on the phone and call in. She lives about 10 minutes from me here in, in Arizona, so maybe I'll lend it to her. <laughs> <laughs> but it will have your name and inscription and not hers in it, so she's going to be mad at That's it. That's right. She's going to scratch it out or tell their page out what she's going to do. <laughs> but I'm going to do it like a yearbook. I'm going to say, Mikey, stay cool. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey, perfect. thanks for calling in. Mikey, can you stay on the All line guys. so that we can take down your um, address? Gotcha. Okay. Um, thanks, guys. Dustin will do that with you. Okay, thanks. thanks hey, Mikey, Mikey. Mikey, one last thing. Carol right. says she'll let you drink out of the other side of your mug if as you read the uh, the book together, okay? <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe we'll get two straws. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. Okay. I'm not, okay. Yes. All right. Thanks, Take Mikey. Care, guys. Okay. Bye, Mikey. <laughs> Be good. Bye-bye. Love Mikey. We love Mikey. Okay, Emma, you're getting competition here from people mm-hmm. out there. Poor Emma. There's so many more questions, we just don't have time to answer them all. Don't so. we have a time for a fast one? We've got time for a quickie. Give me a quickie. So? We have time. We have a, I we have have one, too. How about a one-minute question? Do you, well, Do you have ahead, a one-minute question? No, no, Angelic right hasn't done one yet for a while. So, um, so JSMZ on Mixler has a question. That, that sounds like a rap singer, JSMZ. I like it. What about the social aspects of errors slash learning? How do we address the expectation of learners to be corrected in the classroom? Yeah, well, you d- explain to them what language acquisition is and how it works. Well, hey, that was a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's all about, the, you know, knowledge is power. The more you know about what you're going through, what's going on, then, because I remember this happened to me a long time ago. A student came to my class when I was teaching Spanish 101 and said, you're not correcting our errors and you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And I go, well, I explained to her and I explained to her, I explained to her. And she came to my office several times and she goes, okay, okay, okay. And then next semester she got in a class with a different faculty member who was doing nothing but drills and then correcting errors and just constantly punishing them for not getting everything right. And she came back to me and she said, I miss your class. (laughs) (laughs) She goes, not because it was easy. She goes, but I actually felt I was learning more and and now I understand why now will you do what you do. So, okay. All right. So, yeah, we need to to educate our students. Okay, we're coming up on two minutes to the end of our show, so we're going to start wrapping up, gang. It's flown by. Um, Remember to, yeah, it flows by. I'm so glad we had this time together. Remember that we're trying to get 1,000 followers on our newsletter, so please uh, get your colleagues and friends to sign up for that at twithbbp.com. Uh, we'd like to thank, even though he was not here today, our technical producer, Daniel Trego, who's in a meeting, but he got everything set up for Dustin. Our media producer, Luca Giappone, who you hear from this next week with our tweeted picture from Actful. Make, make sure you campaign for us and get us on the cover of The Language Educator. <laughs> the guy who normally <laughs> takes your phone calls, but today also worked the soundboard, the recording system, and the phones. He just did everything today. Dustin DeFelice. Give a big round of applause for Yay, Dustin. Yay, okay. And his able-bodied assistant who came in today, Jeff Maloney. Hey, Jeff. Ooh, nice to see you again. We thank the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA. We love them. The College of Arts and Letters at MSU, we also love them. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, which we're hoping to get some soon, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And with that said, we want to thank you all for your listeners, uh, all you listeners out there, 
and have a great week. Join us next Thursday when our topic will be what does output do, if anything? Hmm. In the meantime, have a great rest of the week and happy language acquisition to everybody.